Fix your eyebrows, bro. All over the place. All yeah. over the place. But they're having a party. You're a real friend. Having a party. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the IFTV podcast. I'm going to be honest with you guys. We messed up. So... We recorded a podcast with my dad right after the Italy game. We're ready to get it posted. Mr. Molinati messed up. He screwed up our whole <laughs> recording. It's all his fault. There was a, a what, what, what do we call it? A hiccup in the recording? A hiccup in the recording. We're just going to use him for all our... If we're we can't find him. parking, we're just going to blame it on him. Mr. Molinati. If we stub our toe on like the corner table, we're going to blame him. Yeah. So. It really wasn't Mr. Molinati's fault. He's not fired. Not yet. Uh, we... True story is that sometimes we get floods and our equipment, our brand new piece of equipment. We thought that it was going to be okay. We thought that it was going to work. We recorded. And then once the file came out, uh, it was not. So anyway, you're stuck with Michael and I. We decided that we're going to record a podcast because Italy has moved on to the final four of Nations League after beating both England and Hungary this round. What do you make of this? This is already better than the World Cup, I want to say. UEFA Nations League is much better than the World Cup. What's the? Oh, is that exactly. that like winter international tournament yeah. winter. that the other teams are going to? Seriously, I can never watch Non-existent, that. Non-existent, bro. For real, this one's actually gonna be in the summer. <laughs> this is a real World Cup. Sounds like a World Cup to me. Facts. Maybe, should we let Greece in? in it I too? think we should automatically let them. Let's in. not go crazy. Just for we gotta keep know, the best. Creating democracy, but what are we gonna do? Sure, true, true. No, but for real, Mike. They <laughs> had a group of deaths because Hungary, England, Germany, England go down to the city B of the Nations League, and Italy. Besides, like the. The results, because when we looked at the lineups, yeah. we all were questioning it and we we're kind of laughing like this team looked like a joke, especially in defense. When I saw Cerbi, Toloi and Bonucci, Mancini decided to go with the 3-5-2, which in the end actually benefited us because it seemed like those players that didn't get a chance to play showed a lot more heart than some of the guys that had won the Euros for us. I mean, I was pretty surprised. Well, seeing that back line, I was like, man, how much early can concede today? But I give credit to Mancini, even though they were older, older guys, but they set themselves up very good. They didn't let any real counterattacks happen. Very experienced back line and did not concede a goal in those two games, which is uh, pretty good. Considering England, it was a do or die for them and Hungary we're fighting for a top spot in so, Hungary. In Hungary, so that's uh, I think that's a very great achievement. And now there's just a, leaves a little bitter taste in my mouth because if Mancini did this a little sooner, try tried this different lineup with different strikers, different players, I think Italy probably could have been in the World Cup. Well, that was definitely on my mind the entire time. If mm -hmm. I'm being honest, like for real. If Italy goes through into the Nations League, it's like, all right, this is great. This is amazing. <laughs> if they would have went out, I'd be like, ah, it's a glorified yeah, friendlies. But that's that's the way that we are as sports fans and as football fans. But I do think that that was on my mind the entire time. You know, let's break it down. I think that the biggest mistake that Mancini made was not turning over the team after winning the Euros. We've seen this problem with Italy before. If we think back to Lippi in 2010 World Cup, he kept the guys from 2006. And I get those that because it's not about the North Macedonia game. It's about the games before, before that, that yeah. where once you see the first game, I get it. First game, play the guys that won the Euros, show them their belief. Mm -hmm. But then after that, in the games that we had, um, you know, in the slip ups against Ireland in Switzerland, all these games leading up to where we could have done better and we could have automatically qualified. You needed to bring new life into the team. But I am happy that we did keep Mancini because I think. When you think about the alternatives, there was no one really good. And for me, it was all about like, did Mancini realize the mistake that he made? He did an incredible job winning us the Euros. I still believed in him as a manager if he realized his faults. And I think 
this Nations League has shown us that he did realize that. And it's okay to make mistakes because as long as we could overcome them and get stronger from there. And I think when I look at what he did this time, and I'll use a player like Di Marco, for example, not a great name, not a name that anyone was giving credit to before the match, but guess what? That guy went out onto the field and gave everything he had. I saw a kid that was running his heart out every single time he had to play, sending in a good cross, challenging you know, a starting position for the left wing back spot. You know, he's not this beautiful tech, technical fullback, modern day fullback like a Joao Cancelo. We're not going to say that he could beat his man one-on-one like him, but he did his job and he utilized what he had at his disposal. And for me, that's what Italy's about. Italy really is about the group. It's about sweating for the jersey. And, and that badge that's on front of you is more important than the one in the back, the name in the back. That's what we saw this week. Even Yonto, Yonto challenging for the first goal that we scored where Raspadori tapped it in. That's Yonto anticipating and having the will to run and not just waiting for the ball to get to him. That, for me, was a story. No, I mean, for sure. First of all, Di Marco, I think he was man of the match for me. He was r- running tirelessly. In both games. Both I games. He got, he got a goal. He got an assist for one of them, right? And... I thought ever since Spinazzola was injured, I was like, oh man, Italy aren't gonna, don't really have any good uh, left fullbacks that they can compete. And now, and Di Marco wasn't, doesn't look nearly as good that he, that than he does at Inter. But uh, Mancini, it seems like he really found a, a, a spot for him over there. And it's gonna be a great competition now when Spinazzola is 100% healthy and they're both, both fighting for that left, uh, left back flank. And for Inter fans, I'm sure they're really happy to see how well Di Marco's doing. I well, think no, Inzaghi's been... going to play him as a left center back <laughs> still. <laughs> see, that's the only thing. Play him out of position, which is weird. But Aspadore, two games, two goals. He's looking like he could do something. Do you a think he's of... the guy? you think he's a striker for Italy? Because I heard what Vieti and mm. actually Adani said, where he said Vieti called him up and said, we finally have our striker. You agree with that? International break is over, and as you already know, no one brings you closer to Serie than One Football. Oh, yeah. They've been our sponsor for a little while now. They're releasing these digital video moments, and a new one just dropped September 28th, which brings you goals and other moments from match day two to four. I think 108 moments in total from all the clubs. Do this awesome. Every few weeks, are updates, so you, you got to see which ones are coming, and... One of my favorite players this season, Quaratskelia, his goal against Monza is finally uploaded. The oh man, that, that was an incredible goal. Now you can buy it, you can sell it, you can trade it. But I think this moment is one that I'm not gonna trade. This is gonna want I'm gonna wanna mm. keep for the rest of the season. And so I like that even, one. So don't even ask. About I like it. that one, but I think one that's better that stands on my mind is Luis Alberto's the volley. Against Inter. Oh, that was good. For me, he's one that of the best good. players of this Serie A, and that goal was a great one. Maybe you'll get Giroud because you kind of got the, the hair of Giroud, his goal against Bologna. <laughs> so you got to dye, dye your hair white. Oh, maybe Would we'll, you do it? Maybe we'll get it in the next match. If you get Giroud, all right, how about this? If, oh, you, get, if you get Giroud, you have to dye your hair blonde, my white, whatever. My whole hair? The, the whole top. Head? No, he, he doesn't do the sides, I think. He just does the top. I'll Shake my hand. All right, for one, one football. football. <laughs> this is you're, you're putting this all on display. The link is in the top of the description, uh, as always. And now let's return to the podcast. I mean, I watched him a lot when he was at Sassuolo, and he impressed me. I just saw him pretty raw. I didn't think he'd be exploding as quickly as he is doing now, especially for the Azzurri. But 
I don't know if he's he's not. I don't think to me. I don't think he's a real number nine. He's got to be playing at like a second striker. I think that's what he fits best in because his characteristics, as you know, his body, his body type isn't a real number nine. He's gonna either play a false nine or second striker. But I think second striker striker does better. As Asuelo, he's playing left wing, but I think in a more central role, he fits better. So, which is which is pretty interesting. And in Napoli, right now, he's getting more minutes. He's scoring, especially with Oshiman Hurd and stuff. Uh, Spalletti's doing some good rotation. So, I think what he needs best right now is to keep playing. And right now, he's getting that with Mancini. And Napoli is getting a very good minute. So, it's still too early. Good start. I don't want to hype anything up. But I did like him at Sassuolo. I was a big fan of him. For me, it's about confidence. And I think when he was able to get these goals... There was mm. one opportunity where he was inside the box. He dribbled past one or, or two men, and he took a shot in a position where I feel like if he didn't score, he wouldn't have taken that shot. It didn't go in. It hit off the defender. But it's just to say that you could feel that he's growing in confidence. For sure. And for a striker, for our, for our strike partnership, I feel like there has been at times where our strikers don't have... We don't have confidence in our strikers. They're scared to shoot. They're scared to take on their men. And that's what I really like from Raspadori. For me, he's still raw. Yeah, and I wouldn't sure. go as far as, as like what Yeti said about, all right, we have our guy. I don't think that we have it yet because... Even when we played Raspadori Skamaka in the first game, I actually thought Skamaka played really good as a number nine. He was a threat. Then we went with Raspadori and Nyonto. And as much as I like Nyonto, I don't like him in that position mm. linked with Raspadori. So we still have some room to find our striker. But this new 3-5-2 formation made the entire team play better because it's the first time in a while that I saw our team playing fast. We were very intense. And considering in a lot of Serie A games... We've seen injuries. We've seen teams physically not at the level that I would have expected or that we usually expect. I saw this formation helping Italy out a lot. Bonucci went back to his old best self where he's able to have time on the ball, send passes over because the Raspadori goal does come from a great pass from Leonardo Bonucci. Everything fit in a better way. Even Jorginho, who for me has always been too criticized. I feel bad for him. I really do. And I get what people, the first thing that everyone wants to say is, oh, but if you scored the penalty kick. Guys, we're, stop living in the past. Am I mad? Okay, yes. You're mad that he missed the penalty kick. You have to move forward and you have to look on. We can't keep looking at what a player did. Right now, for me, Jorginho still showed me how much he has to give and that he can be the orchestrator in a proper midfield where even Cristante next to him looked good and I would have had my doubts on if they could be too similar in that role. Everyone needs to work as a whole. So for me, that was another big takeaway for me. Mancini looked at the squad that he had at his disposal. We had Tonali out, Verratti out, Pellegrini out, Immobile out. I'm missing a few others. Yeah, definitely a few others. They were out, but Mancini adapted the squad towards them. And yeah. for me, that's a sign of a good coach, and that's a sign of a good team. So I have a question for you, Marco. In terms of the back line, I know we've been saying like Mancini's got to rebuild and do all this, but as you see, the back line's like a combined age of like 150 years old or whatever the case is. Uh, but they, they're like. not leaking goals, and for the most part, they handled all the attacks that we've seen in the past two games. So even though we're nervous seeing that lineup, you just brush it off and be like, listen, just play, don't fix something that's not broken, or should Mancini really he has to look for other players? I don't think England and Hungary were that good. No. I was I was let down by, by I mean, 
the only thing is I'll say Italy after the second goal against Hungary, we stopped playing and that's where we started conceding a little bit more chances. But from England, who I thought were going to be a threat, we didn't see a real danger. And if I just try to put myself in a position of we're going to this final four against Spain, Croatia and the Netherlands, I think all those teams will cause us a lot more problems and get more opportunities. And I still don't I respect the performances that they put in. But that back three still scares me a lot. And when I just think about the future of Italy, and I know that we have to go on based on performances. I agree with that. It needs to be merit-based. And if you do good, that's when you play. Because it's a national team is a selection. You have to yeah, choose the best, the best to fit an entire system. But Inform. for me, Bastoni is the best up-and-coming Serie A defender, Italian defender okay. that we have. And I, personally, would always play him <laughs> because I think that he's going to be the guy in the future that we'll rely on. He's the only one that I see. So I would be putting Bastoni in a better position so do to you, play. You take out either... To, you're going to keep Bonucci there, put Bastoni. Now, do you put in Mancini and take out either Toloi and, or Acerbi? I How don't, is it going to work? I mean, I don't have enough confidence in Mancini yet. Mm -hmm. I think we still... Well, the unfortunate thing is the next international break is the World Cup. So it's not like we have more opportunity to see them. There's going to be some, the a semifinals, couple of The semifinals are in... Yeah. June. So from now until June, there, a there, lot can change. No, there's going to be some friendlies. And we're supposed to, what, what becomes interesting is that the 3 5 2 worked, but Chiesa will probably be back for yeah. the semifinals. And he's going to have to and change it up. It's where does he play? I read today in the newspapers, they say that he would play as a second striker. Personally, that reminds me of like the days in Fiorentina where I didn't think we saw the best yeah. Chiesa. I do have a lot more confidence in Mancini that he will find the team. He will fit the team around the players that we have at our disposal. And for me, things are looking a lot up. I don't want to just... We can't keep going back on that. We're missing the World Cup. We need to look forward. And for me, this Nations League is a good opportunity for us. Number one, in the FIFA World Rankings, which usually we've always thrown out the window. We never care about them. And number two, just to bring competitiveness within the squad. We don't know which of those other three teams are going to play because for some reason, UEFA didn't release... The draw, we don't know when the draw is going to be, but any of those opponents, we we lost last year in the Nations League to Spain in the semifinals, but any of those opponents are good tests for us going forward, and I think it would help all of us to just see continuous improvements and players who maybe necessarily didn't play in the Euros for us or didn't perform always in the past start to step up and realize that they're playing for the Italian national team. There's a lot of pride on display and for me, the guys that played these last two matches, more than anything, I don't care. I don't care about the goals, the stats, blah, blah, blah. Technique, they showed heart. No, I, I definitely agree with you for that. And they actually, I feel like just when everyone was saying for Mancini to step down or he should get sacked, I really feel like uh, all the players have his back now and they want to go through with this. They realize... They made a big mistake by not qualifying, but I think, my, I mean, I, I was mad. I was like, Mancini has got to step down. This not, this not what Italy should be doing. I'm missing. There was back no other back good alternative. Cards. That's but why the, I didn't want him to step down. But the thing is, they're playing well right now. I think they realize it was they they all messed up as a collective, not just because of a coach or whatever the case was. Or a missed penalty. And yeah, exactly. And I feel like now the steps to go forward are in place. They they all believe in the same goal. Mm -hmm. They want to do good. And I changed my mind on him. Mancini, I think Mancini has what it takes to go through with the... 
So, a uh, little Italy preview, a uh, little Italy recap, uh, I should say. Uh, unfortunate that we didn't have the... Our last podcast I recorded with my dad was so good because we went really in good. depth. And it's just a different dynamic when we have more people. Yeah. Antonio was not part of that podcast, though. We do have a video explaining why he was not there and why he's still not there. He's going to be back for our next podcast, but let's pop this video in. Guys, I am on the Yellowstone River. My wife, she was a little too scared to come down, but I did. You know, look at this. Goes are all, uh, all bison footprint. Look at this shit. Oh my God. It's a lot of shit. Could be bear shit or bison shit. <laughs> Different kind of shit. Ducks and geese and shit. I guess they, they're going over there a lot. It's a bunch of ducks. We, we are a sunset and I think I'm the best videographer after uh, Nick Molinaro. Uh, hey, by the way, guys, this is a video just to remind all of you, all my IFTV fans, that I'm not gonna be there at the studio. So you are kind of a stuck with uh, the boring guys, meaning Mike, Marco, maybe Ryan, you know? So if you get this video, just remind them that I needed the link to watch the game because nothing faces me. Even if my wife is gonna bust my chops, I gotta watch the game. So if the videos, this video makes it to the IFTV, just, I need the link. Okay, Mike, that's on you. I don't know where Antonio is and what he's gotten himself into. I think he's lost. He's so <laughs> upset. I like how he says that we're the boring ones. I, I We should just tell him he's the crazy one. The funny one. part is him zooming. You see his uh, retina the whole time of the, the video. He doesn't he's know so what he was doing. He's so bad at recording. Uh, he said this in some other videos, but we, we can't show those. He's just screaming at his wife in, in most of that there. You guys don't want to see it. Oh, let's, uh, let's look at the Serie A that we have this weekend, yeah. this round. Saturday's games, I'll read them from top to bottom and then just pick one off. Napoli, Torino, Inter, Roma, Empoli, Milan, Lazio, Spezia, Lecce, Cremonese, Sampdoria, Monza, Sassuolo, Salernitana, Atalanta, Fiorentina, Juventus, Bologna, and Verona, Udinese. Where you want to start, Ooh, Mikey? That's a good one. I like this Napoli-Torino game right here. This is going to be a lot of motivation now for Napoli because they are tied on top of the table. And Torino are no slouch, are no walkovers. We know how well Juric plays against the top teams with Torino. So I, I for me, definitely, I think that's going to be the game to watch this weekend. Uh, we're going to see Raspador Raspadori. I think he's going to probably start because he's been on fire with Azzurri. Um, which Kvaratske yeah, exactly. Which is, is scoring like crazy for Georgia. They're looking good right now. Lozano, I think he got an assist for Mexico or something. Or he scored. All I know is Napoli right now are in form for club and country, so they're the team not to miss right now. Yeah, Kvara had uh, six goals in five games. Jesus. So happy to see that he's doing it also with uh, with country. his country. And yeah, Napoli are the team. They're coming off that incredible win against 
Milan, which I thought was a good test for them and a good test of character. Um, and going forward, they just have so many good things going for them in each position. But a team like Torino is not fun to play against. Juric always puts his team out very well prepared, very well tactically. So it's not going to be an easy match. Inter-Roma is the game that I'm looking most forward to. The return of uh, Mourinho to against his former team at the San Siro. It's always an exciting moment to see him do that. But I think it's also interesting because both of them are coming off of uh, losses. Different losses, though. Roma lost to Atalanta in a match where they had so many opportunities, so many chances. Most fans felt like they should have won that game. Atalanta were just more clinical, which is kind of the theme of Atalanta. Whereas Inter lost 3-1 to Udinese in a game that, I mean, if alarm bells were not going off before, this was the one that set them off. And more so in the opposite of Roma is that you kind of felt like Udinese really dominated them and played better in that match. They weren't really in it. On top of that, the weird yellow card substitutions. Once a player gets mm. a yellow, Inzaghi has to take them out. The pressure. Which who who has more pressure in this game? Is it Inter or is it Roma? This is the match of like the 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 match of the fire under your seat for this one. It's gonna be such a but cagey who has match. More fire under this seat? I think for sure it's gotta be Inzaghi. I think Mourinho bought himself a lot of time, especially with last season. This season they're doing pretty good. Maybe not the best, but Inzaghi has not been doing well. With all the stuff he's been doing recently, he's been losing. He hasn't been playing well. His substitutions, his decision-making has not been the best. And losing the derby was a big one for them. His players don't look so, happy, too, which is maybe for me the they're biggest They're not performing. Thing. And especially with Lukaku out for so long, it's hard when you're your number one goal scorer. He hasn't been training produce. as well for this game, so he's not going to be back again. So there's definitely a lot of much more pressure, I think, for me for Inzaghi. And... For this one, I think it's gonna be a one-zero win or something like that. But for who? It's gonna. I think Inter have to perform because Roma have a little bit more slack, I believe, than Inter do. Because if not, I think they're gonna start questioning if Inzaghi is the right coach for Inter. I think it's gonna be all over the newspapers if Inter end up losing this game. I think you couldn't draw a situation that Mourinho will be more happy with than this right now. The pressure, there's a lot of negativity going around Inter. Yeah, yeah. He could put up a big performance against his former team to help them, you know, not saying that he wants them to crumble a little bit, but it's just an added motivation for him and for his Roma side where he loves to give his teams an edge. He loves to put something on their back. He tells them like, hey, they got a lot of pressure on them. We could make them crack. We mm -hmm. can be the ones that, look, Udinese did this performance against them. We can do it too. So I think Mourinho thrives in this moment. His teams have created chances, but they need to be more clinical and they need to finish their opportunities because especially as we get into these fine details are going to be the margin between getting into Champions League and not. And games like these are the ones that end up mattering in the end. I do agree with you. Inter, it's a toss up. I loved Inzaghi. For me, he was he's tactically his team played well at times. I love the movements. Thanks, Mike. This is how you gotta get taller. You gotta you gotta tear me down. It wasn't supposed to go all the way down, bro. Just lately. It didn't that work wasn't, my that didn't go all the way down. <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> the movements with Inzaghi. Yeah, the movements of Inzaghi. <laughs> I love the I love the way his team moved at times. Like they were so fun to yeah. watch. But then I think that he overthinks and he doesn't trust his intuition and he doesn't feel a game. I understand that that could happen, especially this is now your second year at a top club. And when I say that, I don't, it's not a dig at Lazio. It's a pressure statement. Yeah. For Inter, every single game they're expected to win. That's hard for a coach 
I we need to see this year that Inzaghi is able to deal with them. You made mistakes last year. That's fine. This is the no. year that mistakes no can no longer happen. No excuses because for Simone. the fans at San Siro, they're not going to stand for it. Let's see what happens. Uh, I will say that I think it's going to end in a tie. I think it's going to end in a tie. Empoli, Milan, and Milan got to bounce back from their, their loss against Napoli. That's another one. I, I said it last week, but there's no drama for me with Milan. No, no. They were missing Leal, their, uh, their best player, their MVP of last year, MVP of Serie A last year. They played a great game. They simply lost to a team that was better and more clinical on the night of Napoli. There's no other drama that I would expect from this team. And the only takeaway that I would say is that Milan is so well. Milan is like, is is healthy. From top to bottom, they're healthy. And when I say that, I don't mean within the, the players. I mean in the organization. Because if there's anyone that I want speaking to a team after a loss like that, it's a guy like Paolo Maldini and a coach like Stefano Pioli who have prove, proven that their best their best at, uh, attributes is their man management and their way that they speak to their players and they motivate their players and create healthy competition within the squad. So having that, I think, is just such a positive for Milan. And I think that's one of the reasons why I have confidence that, because you see teams, there are teams that they'll lose a game and then they get in they this crumble, slump. They crumble. They, they're in their head in games yeah. that they should be winning. They're thinking about the game two, three, four matches ago. I think this is where you'll start to see the strength of Milan and against Empoli, an Empoli side, which I still have, I still got a beef with them because of what they did to my boy Andrea Zoli, bringing in Zanetti. Uh, I, I never liked the move. I haven't been that happy with Empoli this season. And I think a uh, good opportunity for Milan to bounce back. Yeah, this, for the people that think it's gonna, it's more than a hiccup, I think they're wrong. Leal wasn't there on a different day. I think Milan could have won. It was just Napoli were more clinical. They had a lot of chances uh, to win the game against Napoli. And I think they're going to win convincingly. They're going to win like three or four by three or four goals against uh, Empoli, I think. Lazio, Spezia. Lazio been doing good. Lazio on their side, I'm liking. I'm really liking the way the team looks. Defensively, they're a lot more solid, which is a big difference than... Lazio have been in past years. I think that's where you're seeing the team shine and do better. Milinkovic Savic Immobile connection is just ridiculous. <laughs> Their duo together is unmatched. I mean, to have a midfielder and a striker that have such so many assisting goals between the two is a positive that it goes it goes under under the radar. Like you'd never think how much it matters, but in the long run, it matters so much to have a midfielder that scores and assists so many goals. You look in any team and so many teams lack that. Like I think about Juventus, they have no player like a Milinkovic-Savic who provides those kind of assists the most in, Serie in the midfielder and shoots duel. and is constantly yeah. a threat. I think Immobile as well, he thrives in these games against Spezia. If I was a betting man, I would put a bet that he's going to score yeah. against Spezia. I'm not completely convinced with the Lazio just of yet, but I think they're going to win this game pretty com comfortably for the most reason. Yeah, this is Immobile's bread and butter to keep stat padding to stay on top for the Capocannoniere race. But I still need a few... I still need a few more rounds watching Lazio playing against top opposition to to show me to prove that they're not the same team as last season that kept dropping points here and there against small teams, doing good one week and not doing good the other. But yeah, I think a dub for Lazio for sure. Besides their Europa League uh, match against Michelin, that was the only real hiccup that, was crazy. that I saw or that I could potentially That was be... more than a hiccup, bro. That was like a sneeze. What was that? <laughs> 
That was, is a that sneeze was a worse than a hiccup? Well, it's a bigger, it's a bigger effect, right? Maybe the way you sneeze, you sneeze loud. Mine, I keep them in. Yeah, I keep them nice that. and contained. Uh, your veins are gonna pop out one day because you keep doing it's, that. It's definitely you, not healthy. Where'd you read that? Some the doctor said told me. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> As we go down the list, Sassuolo Salernitana, uh, big news in that one is that the first ever woman referee, primary referee in a Serie A game, will officiate Sassuolo versus Salernitana on Sunday. Uh, Maria Sole Ferrieri Caputi. Wow, long name. Uh, great job to see that. But I remember her in the. She did Coppa Italia before. Because I no, remember sure. posting about we it and I remember watching yeah. that match. But this is the first time in Serie A. Breaking so records, baby. Nice in uh in the right direction. Uh, hopefully, we need we need better officiating overall. And if there's one big criticism that I have about Serie A, it's officiating. It's always like driven me crazy. We've had how many discussions oh, about the officiating difference <laughs> between Italy and Europe, especially in Champions League or other competitions. Yeah, yeah. not the same. And there's some of these old school referees that I think they're just so stuck in their ways and constantly like make the same mistakes over and over again. I get it's a For tough sure. job, but I hope we get some new referees that, you know, kind of go into the style that modern football is going towards. Whenever we're watching Europeans, like, ah, that's not a penalty in Serie A. It's so true. Like, it's, it's, so, it's so strange. But even a game in Nations League, we were saying... There was one opportunity, I, and I we had so many games on at the same time, where I remember we're watching a game with Antonio, and we had a joke. We're like, oh, in Serie A, that would 100% be a yeah, penalty, yeah. but it's not going to, and didn't get called. It's kind of sad it that is. that's actually a reality. It is funny because in the NBA, it's actually the same way in terms of playoff and regular season fouls. In the playoffs, it's much harder. In what? NBA playoffs. What's NBA? This guy. Basketball. I thought, I thought for, yeah, so NBA, NBA playoffs, it's harder. But I'm saying a comparison in terms of that. So it's not like saying, oh, football's only sport that does this. There are other sports that it's tougher to get a call in like a playoffs than it is in the regular season. So it's not saying we're not alone in this, but it's still obviously got to be improved for the future. I quit basketball. I used to love basketball. I literally, I used to want to be a basketball and a footballer. I used to, I remember I asked my dad when I was like eight years old, I was like, can I be both professional in both sports? I had to stop playing basketball because it got too soft for me. Ever, I was fouled out of like every game. Like you touch, I'm always headbutting. You touch, huh? and oh my god, the, you think you think full, Neymar is bad. There's like a million Neymar's, but you even go like this, and it's always a foul on bat. That was my that was my big criticism. That's why I stopped watching. Yeah, you need that clean that clean hand to ball contact. It's it's difficult. Uh, Atlanta Fiorentina underrated match of the weekend, 12 p.m. on uh, on on Sunday. Yeah, great game. Two big teams, Atalanta in first place in Serie A, tied their best ever season. 17 points after seven matches. They've never started better than this in the history of their club. And they are so different. It's a new look Atalanta. It's an Atalanta that's pragmatic, that's a little bit more defensive, that when they go up 1-0, they're not always looking for the second, third, fourth, fifth. That was one, the one thing about them that made a lot of people fall in love with them a couple of years ago. They would always go for the next goal. I'm seeing an Atalanta that is not scared to make a game dirty. They're not scared to make a foul. They're not scared to make themselves feel felt. And I'll be honest, they are the team that have proven me the most wrong. Mm. Napoli, I know I didn't put them in my top four, but I knew that they were going to do really good. I just thought maybe Roma were going to do better, and we'll see where it ends in the season. I'm not surprised because I thought they did a good market. Mm -hmm. Atalanta is the team that surprised me the most because they didn't bring in many new players until the end of the market where they got Hoyland. Uh, they got Lukman. Gasparini was complaining that he didn't really... He's been asking for a striker for years. Golini. I thought maybe a lot of their... What? Golini also. 
Goldini. I thought a lot of their play. I thought a lot of their players were still the same, and I didn't know how they were going to be able mm. to reinvent themselves. But it seems like maybe not having the burden of Europe uh, has helped them. And again, just from coaching wise, a lot of coaches, and I would have thought Gasparini because he's tough on his players. Yes, mm-hmm. they always say that he has a lot of problems with his players because he's so difficult. We're not changing his ways, and I'm seeing a Gasparini that's changed his style. It's an interesting game, this one, because I think Fiorentina are suffering what Atalanta were suffering uh, last season, which is why we didn't really put them in a top four finish because Atalanta didn't have the quality on the bench that they did in the starting lineup to play in three different competitions. And I feel like a Fiorentina, that fatigue from Fiorentina is catching up to them for them playing in three competitions. They don't have... You know, they have great players, but to play day in and day out every three, four days, it's very difficult and it's new for them. They haven't been in Europe in six, seven years, and that's what's catching up. So I feel like Gasparini's going to be like, hey, this is how it is. It's not easy. But this Atalanta is the Atalanta, I feel like, that we know from the past seasons when when they weren't in Europe, when they were fighting for top four, when they were comfortable. And maybe we did count out Atalanta because we thought the magic kind of diminished but maybe it wasn't that maybe it was it was too many the european spot was too much for them to handle and they they're i think they're really going to be a threat to fight for top four with this i really think we overlooked atalanta and they also are just they just they they've had not not the easiest of games too because at first i thought maybe it was their schedule but then when you look back they did one one against milan and now they beat roma who again both of those teams are direct competitors for no a top fluke. four position so it's not like they've only had easy yeah, games no, true. and we've seen other big teams one that we'll talk about next slipping up against teams that they should on paper whatever that yeah, means win. win um so anyway Fiorentina though I feel bad for Fiorentina a little bit right now I see Italiano I saw it like a little while ago him getting criticized for me it's not fair I, I think that they are struggling it's tough they're not struggling there's growing pains He's never coached in Europe before. He's never had that sort of pressure on his team before. And I do think his roster is is short. You can't judge a coach, for, in my opinion, off of, number one, we're so early into the season. And number two, when they've never had to deal with this before. The test of a true coach is how he learns, adapts. Even if he has setbacks, it's how he goes forward with it. And when I've watched Fiorentina play, for me, they're still playing the right way. They're pressing. They're dynamic they try to defend well while also not being scared to go forward and attack they've got this wing play they're struggling for not having a striker because everyone they've brought in since Vlaovic has left Cabral Piontek Jovic they have not been the guy that can score goals and when you struggle to score with your center forward despite having a system that helps center forward so much you're always going to struggle. I think it's a mix between those two things for Fiorentina. Yeah, it definitely doesn't help that they don't have a... Sh- they they were betting on Jovic from Madrid to be scoring these goals, and he hasn't really found his footing in Serie A just yet. But I feel like once... It's going to be it's gonna be a matter of time. Once one of their strikers catches on form, starts scoring a few goals, we're going to see a better Fiorentina mm-hmm. overall. Because right now, it's like pulling teeth for them to score. It's very difficult for them. Uh, last game that we'll talk about is uh, Juventus against Bologna. Speaking about pulling teeth, uh, a Juventus side that it seems like every week we say how low can the bar go. 
and last week it definitely hit a low. Limbo. Reminded me of the Del Neri days. Anyone who remembers <laughs> watching Juventus under Del Neri, You're going back. after losing 1-0 to Monza, a Monza side that not only never won in Serie A this year, they've never won in the history of the competition because it's their first year in Serie A, they beat Juventus. And I think it's probably more scary that teams like Monza who come up from Serie B are confident enough to win against Juventus. Even if Juventus went to 10 men, I don't care. That That is probably a bigger sign than anything else because in the years past, Juventus were so dominating. The style that they will play, just the intimidation factor throughout a season, it would scare these sort of teams. I, for Serie A, from the Serie A side, I love that teams are not scared to challenge the big dogs, but from Juventus's side, the fact that you lose, not even if you tied this game, it would have been bad, mm. but the fact that you lose this game, for me, they hit a new low. Not, no shots on target, right? Under a coach that, again, has zero plan B. There's no adapting. There's It's relying on really good players. And if you don't have that, it's it's a toss-up. There's no group. There's no team spirit. And there's no sacrifice for each other. All the beautiful things that I've said about Italy this week, and I've said about Napoli, and I've said about Milan, where for me the group has been more important than individuals, Juventus is the exact opposite of that. Nobody makes each other better. Nobody works hand in hand for each other from the top down Juventus are just in a in a really bad rod and the fact that they have a, a player like Dusan Vlaovic who by the way scores for Serbia I, I get that I get people say oh Dusan needs to do more but for me he's just completely hindered in a f formation in a system and with a team that does nothing to help a jewel for me he's a jewel the guy will score you goals look at Fiorentina when he had a system that fed him the ball. He scored goals. The guy the guy could be unbelievable. They're just not helping him. And Kostic also gave him the assist, by the way. Another Juventus player. But, and, according to their board, too, they're not going to sack Allegri. They'll make any time before the World Cup. So, who knows how long this can last for. If they're even going to make the decision to even sack Allegri or not. But I just do not see a future with Allegri at the club for Juventus to improve and move forward. I just see it as a dead end and just waiting for a second to happen. Just how long will it take? I disagree on that part. I would. I think that Allegri, I think from this game on, I feel like you'll start to see a better Juventus. I think that... But what's the ceiling though? Up to what? It's if to I, get top four. It's to get top that four. Shouldn't, that should not be... The, they have a squad. Yeah, but either way... Scudetto. I, for me... You shouldn't for me, be fighting for top four. You should be fighting for the Scudetto. I, I agree with that. Things. But I don't think... For me, I disagree with people who say, if you sack Allegri and you bring in Tuchel, who's the biggest name, I don't think that he makes you challenge for Scudetto either. I, I don't. I don't think that at all. It's still going to be improvement, I think, regardless. So I if don't, it's I don't improvement, like what's the matter? I don't think... To, the only coaches that I think would really improve... This Juventus, I think, would be Zidane. If you could get Zidane now, then I would sack Allegri or Conte, which is obviously an opportunity for the summer. Besides that, I think for some reason I feel like Allegri will get once once you see the players come back, once you see uh, Pogba come back, who's expected to come back October 25th. They say even Chiesa could be available, start to be available at that time. I think things will start to click. The bigger and telling sign will be all the players who now we've also seen Kulusevsky come out and speak about how unhappy they were at their time at the club and the the lack of fitness and training. There are so many deep problems. I just don't know if sacking your coach 
right now into the season is the best opportunity. And either way, we know that they are not sacking him anytime soon. But so what starter cl- start click to play a lighter ball to be up 1-0 and then try to defend for the rest of the game? I just don't think this Juventus squad fits that kind of So you think they're going to be out tactics. of the top four? I don't know. I, if dude, they keep Allegri, if you keep Allegri, where do you see them finishing? First of all, it shouldn't be top four for okay, me. Okay, but I'm asking you. If, it's still, if they keep Allegri, where do you think I they're mean, finishing? I mean, if they get, have a full healthy squad, I think they can push for top four. But the way it's going now, how are you going to bet that Juve are going to have a full healthy squad for the rest of the season? Okay, you but can't my, bet my on question, that. Forget about the healthy squad. I said I think they can push squad, for a top four. But that you're betting on them to be all... Who knows? Well, the, best possi- is older. the best possible scenario is Juventus finishing in fourth place. With Allegri, yeah. With any coach. That. They're not finishing in top four. They're not finishing in first place. Napoli is way can, better. Milan is way better. I don't know. I think with a different coach... You think with Tuchel they fight way. for first place? I think they'll... I think they have a much better chance to fight for first place than they do fighting for fourth place with Allegri. Really? Personally, that's okay. what I think. Uh, anyway, the the only, for me, the only real bright spot this season has been Miretti for Juventus. He's the only player and only real thing that I see a spark. And yeah. you're happy about a 19-year-old kid who's coming hungry, who looks better in the midfield, who's confident on the ball, who's not scared to pass. And their new signings have been good, too. You got to say Milik, Milik came in and yeah. did a really good job. Paredes he did a good start. Too. Paredes, I like yeah. Paredes a lot. I saw a stat that for Argentina, I think he missed two ball, two passes. He had like 45 out of 47 passes were successful. The guy knows how to play football. The team overall together, they need to get out of this. They need Slump. to click. They yeah. need to have a better feeling altogether and, and change things up. But honestly, I do think Allegri, I saw even Galliani, they, Galliani was at the Festival de los Sport Gazettas, and he said that he would never, he would never sack uh, Allegri. And that was kind of telling considering a, such a, one of the, for me, the best director ever, uh, Galliani, for what he did at Milan, uh, he said that he would not sack Allegri and that he thinks that the problem is way deeper at Juventus than Allegri. Interesting. I think Allegri doesn't fit the current team. I agree with that. He was never the guy to bring back, but you want to keep going back in the past and saying, oh, they shouldn't have hired him. They hired him. They're here right now. It's what do they do going forward? And you'll see what happens in the board. They're not, I do not see them sacking him unless things get worse. And they're saying first, first opportunity would be the World Cup break. Uh, break. Yeah. So you think moving forward is the correct decision? I, yes. If consider, considering... That's with my idea that Zidane is not available. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Because I think the only thing is, like, I know Zidane did better with, like, great players. Like, he had the respect of Real Madrid's uh, top players. I think just Zidane, you'll get players running for you. If Allegri loses the locker room, which I still don't think he has. Not yet. Not yet. It does scare me when I see Di Maria and Milik talking about, like, look at the, you know, why did he sub you out? Those sort of things. But I do think that they're going to put it together, especially with these few players coming back from injury. Tech is coming back. Locatelli's coming back. Rabiot's coming. I don't know. I feel like right now you're going to see a different Juventus going forward in starting from the match against Bologna. And speaking of that, do you see quotes from Kulusevski going around saying how Conte, you yeah, know, compared to Juve. So I, well, obviously we you're not going to compare. Yeah, you're not going to compare stuff like that. But it's going to be interesting to training see. Training part is is scary. The training part, the amount that they keep saying that yeah. the teams are not fit, is the scariest part. Yeah, because we true. know we know how Conte teams are. Conte teams are crazy. But the fact that there's so many injuries on Juventus, and then the team does look tired. Like, they physically look tired. They don't look like they had a really good preseason. Those are sort of things that are worrying. But again, I just keep going back to 
how much can you really change now? When you talk about the summer, I mean, that's that's a whole different story that we could judge mm -hmm. once the results, once you see the results. And I think they will end up moving on from Allegri come the summertime. I just don't think right now sacking him and just bringing in Tuchel or Montero that they're talking about promoting him. For me, those are, are crazy options that I wouldn't go for. Yeah, the Zerbi was a move, bro. The Zerbi. The Prem got him. The Good. Prem got him. I'm happy. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy that he went to Brian. I want him to do something. Yeah, it gives me another reason to to be able to watch. And yeah. and I hope, uh, despite who was that guy that was talking bad about Italian, he said like, ah, uh, he's not an English coach. Oh, I don't remember his name. Talk sport. Probably better that we don't know his yeah, name. Yeah, right? yo, honestly, I think those things are just better to ignore. Oh my god, like just ignore those wild takes because like that's what gives them life. Like his people yeah. talking about. That was a bad take. Yeah, it was wild. That was really bad. That's why I hope um Desire B he goes there, he does does well, and he can prove a lot of people wrong. Guys, Seria's back. We're sorry again about the podcast. Uh, but we'll be back. Normal schedule with Antonio and with the rest of the crew and maybe Mr. Molinati. If, we'll see uh, how he does. If he, he was, apologizes. Yeah, if he apologizes for not doing anything wrong and not messing up our episode, it's totally on Mike and I. Mm -hmm. Guys, as always, we'll talk to you soon. Ciao, Ciao guys. guys.